Blog Talk Radio. safeguard 
their rights, their freedoms, their liberties. And we owe them a huge debt, one that we can never really repay. So so how do we make it right? How do we balance the scales? And the answer is that uh, we honor them. We honor those men and women. And the way we honor them is, first of all, to remember them, to remember them, to tell the stories of their uh, of their heroics, of their courage, of their uh, sacrifice. And then we honor them by continuing to safeguard the liberties, the freedoms, the rights that they sacrificed that we may have today. Uh, you have a tremendous amount of freedom and liberty simply by virtue of living in the United States of America. And this did not come free. There was a price attached to it, as there always is. And the folks on April 19, 1775, stood together uh, and paid the price. Uh, starting on April 19, 1775, and for eight long, bloody years after that, that was the American Revolutionary War. The American Revolutionary War had a beginning and an ending, and it was designed to achieve a goal, which it did, and then it ended. The American Revolution began much earlier than that. It began in the hearts and minds of the colonists, of the future citizens of America. And that's where the war was won. It was won in the hearts and minds before the American Revolutionary War was ever begun. That's always the case, folks. That's always the case. Either either the revolution you're about to embark on is an already won in the hearts and minds of the folks, or it's already lost, one or the other. And the outcome of the American Revolutionary War was dependent upon the answer to that question. Were they, were they willing to sacrifice all in order to gain their independence? And the answer in most cases was yes. And the answer in enough cases was yes, that the revolutionary, the American Revolutionary War was a success. Now, the American Revolutionary War had an ending. The American Revolution was never meant to have an end. It was meant to be uh, a continuously, uh, a continuous expansion of freedoms and liberties. And by those freedoms and liberties, I'm talking about the collective freedoms and liberties of American citizens safeguarded by the personal, individual responsibilities of the American citizens. <clears throat> All right, we have uh, we have a great show coming tonight, and we have, uh, uh, hopefully we'll have a guest uh, a little bit later, Dr. David Hackett Fisher. Uh, he said he was... Uh, he said he was busy with the project, and uh, and he would be working on it for a while. But he asked us to give him a call a little bit later, and that's what we're going to do, just to say hi and check in on him. 
Uh, we had him on as a guest last year, and uh, and uh, he is a uh, fantastic author. Uh, he wrote Paul Revere's Ride, which is the virtually the textbook that we use uh, in order to uh, inform folks of the events of April 19, 1775. And I read a lot of books which covered uh, that date, the events of that date, and none of them go into the detail uh, that uh, Dr. Fisher's book does, Paul Revere's Ride. Uh, there's a lot of different books that uh, that touch on it or that uh, will happen to cover it in the course of other events, but, but his is the absolute best uh, book on that subject. Now, I'd like to say that he hasn't written quite a few other great books. Washington's Crossing is another, Albion Seed, uh, he has written a tremendous uh, amount of works on that time period in American history, and I can recommend uh, every one of them because uh, they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, so hopefully he will be uh, he will be available a little bit later to take our calls, and then we're going to talk to uh, anyone and everyone that wants to uh, to call in to talk about what they're going to be doing at their specific events or if anyone has any questions about this weekend or really any questions about Appleseed at all, then uh, we'd love to hear from them. Uh, our number is going to be 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. Now, if you want to come to an event and you want to figure out how to get to an event uh, for the upcoming weekend, here's what you do. Go to rwva.org. That's our homepage. And <clears throat> look across the look at the top of the homepage and you'll see that there is a uh, a row of tabs here. The second from the left says Appleseed. Put your cursor on that. You'll get a drop down menu that from the Apple Seed, and it says uh, Schedule on there. And click on Schedule, and that will take you to a page that has a map of the United States on there. Now, you can put your cursor on the state that you're looking for to, uh, to attend an event in, and click on that. If you'd like to see what's going on all across the United States, there is a link embedded in the text above the map. You can click on that, and that will take you to the uh, all of the events across the United States. We have uh, a great number of events this coming weekend, the April 16th and 17th weekend. And there is still time. I believe that uh, that tonight's going to be the last night you can pre-register for these events. So once you go to rwva.org, the homepage, uh, once you put your cursor on the Appleseed tab at the top, and then click on Schedule, and then you get to the... Uh, events page, you take a look and you can see where the nearest uh, apple seed is. Then once you've uh, decided on a location, there's two hot links to the right of it. One says information, and that will give you the information for that specific date. Once you've... Uh, uh, and it's such as... Uh, uh, the directions there, the uh, contact folks, etc., and 
then you can then there's another link right underneath that one that is register. And what we'd like for you to do once you've decided on a location is go ahead and pre-register. Uh, that's going to help uh, you out, and that's going to help the Apathy Project out also. It's going to make sure that you have a place on the line. All right? It's going to make sure that you have a place on the line, and uh, it's going to make sure that we know you're coming because uh, the way that we decide how many instructors, how much, uh, how many supplies that uh, we ship, etc. The way we decide that is by looking at the pre-registration numbers. And uh, we've got uh, hundreds of folks to send across the nation, and uh, we do that, as I said, based on on knowing how many uh, how many events, how many people are going to be at each event. <clears throat> And uh, you don't want to wait till the last second and find out that the event when you walk when you just walk up when you find out the event that is is sold out and uh, you're just going to be an observer that weekend. So make sure that you pre-register. Uh, there's also a, a a financial incentive too, and that is um, if you pre-register, it's seventy bucks for the two days. If you walk on, it's going to be eighty bucks for the two days. So there's your there's ten bucks saved right there. <clears throat> now, if uh, let me give you a little uh, a message here that I got from Hawkhaven. Hawkhaven sends me the the sold out shoots every week, and this coming weekend there are some sold out shoots. Uh, there are six of them so far. If you have waited until tonight to pre-register for Fenton, Michigan, you waited too long. It's sold out, as is the Dallas-Fort Worth Quail Creek Range in Texas and the Terrell location in Texas, the Lemoore, California location, the Columbia, Maine location, and the Atlanta, Indiana location. These are all sold-out shoots now. However... There are uh, another seven shoots to look for in Texas besides those. Uh, California has uh, another 12 locations besides that one. Uh, I'm not sure about the other ones, but believe me, somewhere this coming weekend at a location within reasonable driving distance to you is another apple seed that's not sold out. So go to rwva.org. Put your cursor on Apple Seeds on the drop-down menu, hit Schedule, and find you a location that you can attend this weekend. This is going to be a uh, – this is our signature uh, weekend for shoots. You know, we pull out all the stops. Uh, we're running over 100 shoots nationwide, and uh, we're going to have thousands uh, of folks across the nation attending events and <clears> – <throat> We're also going to be uh, running simultaneous uh, simultaneous volleys for the uh, at each of the events. I'm sorry, I'm trying to uh, 
I'm trying to look at it right now. I'm trying to look for it right now as I'm talking. And uh, to to give you an update on that. And uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do that in just a minute because because it's uh, it is distracting me to try and do it while I'm talking. <laughs> All right. So in just a minute we'll uh, we'll pull up the uh, I'll pull up the volley so that everybody will know what we're doing. Uh, most of you guys uh, at the events have already been sent this information, so you'll have that. So for the upcoming shoots this weekend, uh, it's going to start on April 16th and 17th weekend. We'll start in Alamogordo, New Mexico, followed by Almonds, Pennsylvania, Alton, Illinois, Atlanta. Texas, Atlanta, Indiana, which is one of the sold-out shoots I told you about, Augusta, Georgia, Azusa, California, Bedford, Indiana, Billings, Montana, Boulder City, Nevada, Brighton, Colorado, Broken Bow, Nebraska, Buckeye, Arizona, Buckingham, Virginia, Burlington Flats, New York, Calverton, New York, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, Cloverdale, Indiana, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Colbert, Connecticut, Columbiana, Maine, I believe that's another of the sold-out events, Columbia, Columbia, Maine, and Columbiana, Alabama is still open. Como, Mississippi, Corona, California, Dallas, Fort Worth, Quail Creek Range. That's one of the sold-out events that I told you about. Davila, Texas, we've still got plenty of place on the line for folks that want to come to Davila. Eleanor, West Virginia, Eureka, Kansas, Fenton, Michigan, Fountain, Colorado, Fredericksburg, Texas. Fredericksburg is another one. If you aren't, If you are not on the books by the time the radio show ends tonight, you're probably not going to make that one. Now, I know that uh, Chuck will do his best to try and squeeze you in the line, but go right now, go right now to the page that I'm on and pre-register for Fredericksburg, Texas, if you're planning to go. Gaston, South Carolina, Gunnison, Colorado, Harvard, Massachusetts, Hernandez County, Florida, Hubertus, Wisconsin, Holderness, New Hampshire, Indianapolis, Indiana, Jericho, Vermont. Uh, I've been to the Jericho, Vermont location and absolutely gorgeous. La Crosse, Wisconsin, Lebanon, Connecticut, Lemoore, California. I believe Lemoore was another of the sold-out shoots. Let me see. Yes, Lemoore, California is uh, indeed a sold-out shoot. Lewiston, Idaho, Lodi, Wisconsin, Miamisburg, Ohio, Montrose, Iowa, Mayaka City, Florida, New Bremen, New York, that's another great range. New Martinsville, West Virginia. Philadelphia, Ohio. Osage Beach, Missouri. Ottawa, Illinois. Pelham, New Hampshire. Far, Texas. I've been down to Far uh, recently. That's a new range that we opened in Texas. That's another great range. Uh, Piru, California. Rainbow, California. Ramsar, North Carolina. Raton, New Mexico. Ridgecrest, California. Rio Rancho, uh, New Mexico. Rochester, Minnesota. Sacramento, California, St. Augustine, Florida, San Luis Obispo, California, Santa Barbara, California, Saratoga, New York, Shenandoah, Iowa, Shreveport, Louisiana, great location, Sierra Vista, Arizona, Smithville, Texas, that's another good location, Smyrna, Tennessee, Spooner, Wisconsin, Sunland, California, Terrell, Texas, which is another sold-out Texas location. Troop, New York. Troop, New York is an, is 
another gorgeous location. It's a tiny little hole-in-the-wall range, very beautiful. Uh, this time of year, it's just it, it's gorgeous there. And I don't know what the weather is like everywhere else, but right now the weather there is absolutely fantastic. It's a beautiful range. Uh, that's Troop New York. Uh, that's one of the first additional ranges that I brought on many years ago when uh, because uh, I have relatives that live in Troop, New York, and I would go and shoot at that little tiny range there, and I thought this would be a great place to to have an apple seed, so we added it on. Van Dyne, Wisconsin, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Wabash, Indiana, Williamsburg, Kentucky, Winslow, New Jersey, Atterbury, Indiana, Gibsonburg, Ohio, Glen Helen, California, Knob Creek, Kentucky, Messina, New York, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, hold on just a second. I ran straight out of the, uh, straight off the end of the 16th and 17th shoots. Gibsonburg, Ohio, Glen Helen, California, Knob Creek, Kentucky, and Messina, New York, are all at April 23rd and 24th events. All right. <clears throat> okay, so that is a listing of the events this coming weekend. Now, as far as cost, what's it going to cost you? Well, if you're active duty, reserve, National Guard, or you're a law enforcement officer, your attendance is free. If you are uh, a woman, your attendance is only $10. If you're a youth, which is uh, kids under 21, it's $5. Listen, $10 and $5 is already a substantial discount from the $70, the normal $70 fee. And if you look at any other uh, rifle marksmanship event out there, especially a two-day event, it's going to run you between two fifty and a thousand dollars. And I can guarantee you, you are going to get your money's worth. If you had to pay one hundred fifty bucks for the course this weekend, it would be well worth uh, every dime of that. Appleseed is going to give you instruction in the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. Now, that's different than the basics, all right? The basics are this is the uh, barrel, this is the buttstock, uh, this part goes against your shoulder, this is the part where the bullet comes out of, and uh, don't get them mixed up or reversed. All right, that's the basics. The fundamentals are a completely different thing. The fundamentals that we're going to give you instruction in are slings, building a stable shooting position, determining your natural point of aim and shifting it onto the target, executing the shot by the six steps, inches, minutes, and clicks and how they pertain to your rifle. And we're going to give you uh, additional courses, uh, additional instruction, rather, in uh, a, great deal, uh, a great deal of other sections that are the fundamentals of shooting. These are the things that that it doesn't matter what your skill level is or where you go uh, on your shooting trail. These things are the things you have to have in order to make the shot, okay? The things you have to have in order to make the shot. And this is the Apple Seed Rifle Marksmanship Instruction Course. is not something that we just dreamed up out of the blue and decided to try uh, on uh, folks as an experiment like a bunch of space monkeys and see if it worked or not. The stuff that we're going to be showing you is stuff that has been around for 500 years. It's been distilled and boiled down 
from 500 years of making the shot. And what we've done, we've trimmed off the excess fat, and uh, we have made it easy to understand and easy to pack into one two-day course. Uh, I say easy to pack. All right, now that's I might be stretching the truth, so it's not easy to pack it, but you're going to get it all. A lot of folks talk about the Alpsy Project being okay, compared to uh, drinking from a fire hose. You know, you see that stream of water coming out, and you you gingerly put your mouth onto it, and bang! You know, both your cheeks pop out, and and uh, you're trying to swallow as fast as you can. <clears throat> all right, that's kind of what we do. All right, but don't let that excite you because we don't leave folks behind. All right, we're not going to. Uh, we're not going to leave you confused. We're going to make sure that you understand it, that you get it, and then we're going to drill you on it. We're going to drill you on it over and over to make sure that you have the instruction down, and that you are able to uh, you are able to understand the skills and the techniques. Now, I'm not going to tell you that in the two days that you're going to become uh, a rifleman that you're going to become an expert shot, although I have seen it happen on many occasions. All right, I've seen folks walk in, they had never handled a rifle before, and by the end of the two days they had shot to rifleman standards. That means they had shot to, uh, the, to the standards that we require, which is four minutes of arc. That means they could put ten rounds into a one-inch square at 25 meters, 82 feet, in 60 seconds. Ten rounds into a one-inch squared, 82 feet in 60 seconds. Now, a lot of you may be thinking that uh, w- that that does not that that's not that big a deal. Listen, go and try it. All right. Before I started uh, before I started working with the Apple Seed program, you know, I heard people all the time talking uh, different stories about rifle marksmanship, what they could do, uh, what they you know, how well they could shoot, etc. And uh, I remember hearing all kinds of stuff, and I just swallowed it whole because I didn't know any better. You know, I had, remember folks telling me that uh, they could they could shoot uh, uh, they could put uh, all five rounds uh, out of their magazine into a uh, a uh, playing card. At 500 yards, no sweat. Uh, you'd hear people talking about, oh, yeah, man, he fills up a dinner uh, a dinner plate at 1,000 yards. And I just took that, uh, you know, at face value, what they said, until I started working with the Apple Seed Project and I started seeing what it takes to make the shot. <clears throat> Listen, the majority of folks that are telling you they can hit a playing card at 400 yards are they're yanking your chain, my friend, all right? What I will tell you is this. If you can put all ten rounds into a one-inch square, which is four minutes of arc, at 25 meters in 60 seconds, then there's no reason that uh, once you've put the data, the actual distance data on your rifle, that you cannot put all ten rounds into a regular uh, man-sized silhouette at 500 yards with iron sights. No reason at all. And I've seen people come to the rifle, uh, the Apple Seed Rifle Marksmanship event weekends with no skill whatsoever. And by the end of it, they were shooting to rifleman standards. 
and uh, generally this was women or kids because when women and kids come to an event, then they don't have any uh, prior uh, skills with shooting. What they do is they say, you know what, I really have no idea what I'm doing, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to the instructor and do what he says because uh, because I don't really know what I'm doing. And they end up listening. They end up uh, actually uh, learning the skills and the techniques because they were listening and they were putting it to use. A lot of times, you know how guys are. We'll come in there and we'll say, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. All right, uh, let's skip, let's skip uh, from 1 to 26 and just go straight to 28, 29, and 30 because I, I know all the rest of that stuff, okay? And the answer is, is if you've never had all the fundamentals given to you and let you worked on them uh, one at a time until you have the skills down, if you've never had, if you've never done that, there's a good chance that you don't have them all. And listen, you need you need all of these fundamentals to make the shot. Now, I know I hear people all the time saying, oh, man, I go hunting every year. I get my deer every year, man. I'm telling you, I'm a good shot. <clears throat> and they may be. But then again, uh, a deer at 50 yards, and most of the time folks that are telling you they're making 500-yard shots on a deer, you you need to go out there and pace it out yourself, all right? Because most of those shots on deer are made, are made at 50 to 75 yards. And a, a two-foot square at 50 to 75 yards is not rifleman standards, all right? You pop a deer just about anywhere with a 30-shot six, and it, it's going to slow it down or kill it. So what we're doing is we're showing you, we're giving you the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. And if you have been shooting for 25 or 30 years, you you may have gradually accumulated these. Somebody may have showed you them uh, little by little, or you may have worked them out yourself and figured them out yourself. But chances are you're going to be missing some of these. On top of that... (coughs) We have an absolutely fantastic safety program. That means that uh, after attending the event on Saturday and Sunday, you're going to have a rock-solid understanding of rifle safety. And this is very, very important, especially for uh, for our kids. All right, Kids need to understand how to handle a rifle safely, and we do that. We give folks a rock-solid foundation in understanding rifle safety. By the end of the weekend, they have a much better understanding of rifle safety than they did when they got there. And uh, and we have a, a really good safety track record, all right? So that is what you're going to get for your 70 bucks, which is, uh, as I said, it is a tremendous deal. <clears throat> okay, so if you didn't fit into any of the free women or kids categories, you're going to pay 70 bucks for the two days of instruction. That includes all the teaching material, the targets, and a T-shirt to go with you. And uh, that's your pre-registration cost. If you wait and you walk on, it's going to be 80 bucks. Okay 
for two days. Or $45 is your single-day registration, pre-registration cost, and 50 is your walk-on cost. Make sure you get pre-registered. It's going to help you. It's going to help us, and it's going to save you a few bucks. All right, another thing that we have that uh, that folks are going to be asking you about, and we want all of the instructors and, and uh, folks helping out at the events this weekend, we want to make sure that uh, that you understand and you convey to the people who are attending that we have the uh, ROCK program up and running. That's the Rifleman's Opportunity Card. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys understand how this works. Okay? So that means if you can purchase the Revolutionary War Veterans Association membership, okay? That's not, uh, I'm not talking about paying to attend the Appleseed. I'm talking about pay, uh, purchasing a membership. And uh, that, for just the lowest uh, level of membership, it's 20 bucks. all right? Uh, all the way up to, I don't remember how much it is to become a full member at Ramsher. I think it's like 150 or 250 I'm not sure. But the lowest level is 20 bucks. So you, you purchase uh, an RW, RWVA membership for 20 bucks prior to November 30th, 2011, all right? And then you pay to attend a two-day apple seed. Now, once you do both of these things together, then you can uh, activate your ROC card, the Rifleman's Opportunity card, okay? Now, this card is going to allow you to shoot at events and pre-register for these events free until you shoot to a Rifleman's score, to Rifleman standards, or for one year, whichever comes first. And listen, it better be... Uh, no more than two or three events, okay? Don't uh, don't get the card and then uh, try and milk it for a year to have fun. <clears throat> because we got a better plan for that for you for free attendance, and that is, you shoot, uh, you get your opportunity card, rifleman's opportunity card. You shoot uh, to rifleman standards. You get your patch. Then you come to another event. And at the end of that next event, you walk up to the uh, shoot boss and you go, I'm ready. I'm ready for the hat. And then he's going to talk to you about the commitment that you're asking for to make sure you understand what you're asking for, okay? Because uh, because it's a commitment. It's going to – it's gonna it comes with a uh, large responsibility, all right? And then when you get the hat, you're going to be coming for free for the rest of the year uh, into uh, uh, into infinity. You'll be coming for free because you'll be an instructor. So that is the better program we have for you. So don't uh, don't jack around. Get your card. The way you do that is you get a $20 RWVA membership. You pay to attend an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship two-day weekend. Then... You go to the shoot boss and let him know that uh, you did both of those things. He's going to uh, validate your card. Uh, he'll, you can, uh, we've got, I think we've got a sticker that we're going to put on the back, and the shoot boss will sign it. All right, now, <clears throat> once you do that, then whenever you register, and you still have to pre-register for events, all right, in order for this card to work, you have to pre-register. You know, I, don't, I don't know that we're using, we're letting folks use it as a walk-on. 
I can check on that and see, but I'm pretty sure that you have to pre-register for the card to get you in free. And then what you do is you go to the Eventbrite. Once you're on the Eventbrite page, you click on the free Saturday and Sunday active duty military reserve and guard with ID, peace officers with ID, disabled with ID, reenactors in period dress, elected officials with proof section. All right, you click on that. And that's going to give you, that's going to let you register for free. But now listen, if anybody's going to try and use this to click on it and get free, we're going to ask you at the table. We're going to ask you for your uh, uh, your military ID, uh, your law enforcement badge, uh, or for your rock card, for your rifleman opportunity card. We're going to ask you for one of those things, or you're not going to get in free. Okay? So bring your card with you to the event. You're going to pre-register by clicking on the on that uh, on the active duty guard reserve section, and you're going to bring your uh, validated card with you. All right. That is how we're going to work this. So make sure that uh, make sure you're getting on board with this because this is a great opportunity for you guys. And you uh, instructors and and Apple Seed members, make sure you're selling this. Uh, people want to come to the events, and for, for what I've found uh, is that most of the folks, I, I don't care if they were getting in free or not, they would still come. Right? They would even if they paid, they would still come. But we want to help them out. The folks that are that are that are saying, "Look, man, I want to get my patch. I want to get the patch because I want to become an instructor." And, and that's not a prerequisite. They don't have to say that they want to become an instructor. I'm just saying that's kind of what we're doing. We want to make it easy for folks to get their rifleman's patch and to go on from there. All right, and hopefully they'll go on to becoming an instructor and become part of your local crews. Okay, so that's the Rifleman's Opportunity Card. That's our pricing, and those are the events. All right, let me remind you once again: if you guys want to, uh, if you want to call in, and if you want to call in, if you have any, uh, uh, if you have any questions, any comments, then we'd love to have you. The call-in number is 347-308-8790. Okay, hold on just a minute. I'm going to pull up the, uh, the message here. All right, Fred sent out a uh, reminder to everybody, and... Uh, And uh, he was talking about the rock card that I just spoke to you about, all right? And he said the basic facts are at appleseedinfo.org backslash rock.html, okay? And that's, uh, that is on the home page that I just uh, read from. And w- let's see. He's talking about two facts he wants to make sure that, uh, that you might be asked or that you make clear, clear and that is, even though they have the route card and we're waiving their Appleseed fees, range fees can't be waived because Appleseed doesn't have any control over those, right? Because we're not running ranges. <clears throat> we are, we're participating with ranges in order to host the events. So we can't waive range fees. Only the ranges can. So if there's range fees, they have to be collected and turned into the ranges, all right? And 
the students are still going to have to pay the range fees. We can't waive those. And uh, the other is that that the apple seed the apple seed that you're having your RWVA membership card stickied into a rock card has to be a paid apple seed. So he's Fred is saying this is a requirement. He said that uh, paying for a prior apple seed does not count for the rock. That means you can't come up to an event and say, look, I paid for an event last year, and uh, here's my RWDA membership card. Can you just uh, sticky this and let me in? He said, that's not the way it works. This is from the boss. He said that uh, you're going to have to have uh, the RWDA membership card and you're going to have to be showing uh, them the receipt for the paid apple seed you just signed up for. <clears throat> All right, and that's going to be your your ticket in to the Riflesman's Opportunity Card, the Rock Card. That's going to be your ticket in. All right, Bob Two Ten uh, has taken uh, he's taken the responsibility for it and has donated his time to uh, putting together the schedule for the Volley for Liberty, and that's for this upcoming weekend. And he asked to please make sure that everybody's all on schedule and in sync for this weekend. Now, we're talking about over 100 apple seeds. Uh, I imagine there's going to be around, say, an average of 30 per. That's uh, over 3,000 folks at a time uh, shooting. And uh, I believe that... uh, I believe that there's a total of 13, so that's uh, close to uh, 40,000 rounds that are going to be fired across the United States in just a few seconds. All right, Volley for Liberty and Remembrance this weekend. All right, the Courts of Fire, in honor of those who die gloriously fighting in the cause of liberty in their country. 4 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific. All right? And that is the 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and 4 p.m. That is the exact time on that second when the clock strikes the hour for each of you in each of those different time zones that the first round is shot. All right? That means the lead goes downrange at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific. And the first name is read at these times, all right? <clears throat> okay. Uh, here is the course of fire. It says, we will shoot the red coat target by volley fire. Five or six shooters to one target. Shoot from pone. Shooters, uh, it will be just like the regular uh, red coat target, except you're going to be shooting in... Uh, in cadence. With 13 rounds load, is line ready? Ready on the right, ready on the left, already on the firing line. Now, this is where it's going to change. You're going to begin reading the names of the folks. Robert Monroe, aim, fire. And we want that fire to be right on the dot. So make sure that you've timed it out to give yourself about uh, uh, 20 to 30 seconds prior to your time zone on the hour so that uh, you can hit it right on the fire. It will be right on the top of the hour. 
Robert Monroe, aim, fire. Jonas Parker, aim, fire. Samuel Hadley, aim, fire. Jonathan Harrington, aim, fire. Isaac Muzzy, aim, fire. Caleb Harrington, aim, fire. John Brown, aim, fire. Ashiel Porter, aim, fire. Isaac Davis, aim, fire. Abner Hosmer, aim, fire. Now you can take a pause here for just a few seconds. Some of the uh, folks are going to have to do reloads. But most of the folks are going to have 10-round magazines. Uh, give just a few seconds for them to pause and reload. Uh, sh- line bosses, look up and down your line to uh, so that you can ascertain when the folks are ready, and you can tell them that uh, we're going to pause for reloads. And once you've seen that everybody's ready to go, you start to begin again by just calling out the person's name. James Haywood, aim, fire. John Raymond, aim, fire. Nathaniel Wyman, aim, fire. Jedediah Monroe, aim, and fire. All right. That is going to be the course of fire for the for the memorial. And once again, that's 4 p.m. for Eastern, 3 p.m. for Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, 1 p.m. Pacific. And then I said, make sure you have everything ready and set up beforehand, and then give yourselves uh, 20 to 30 seconds for the lead-in for the line commands so that at the top of the hour, you're uh, four seconds ahead when you say Robert Monroe, aim, Fire, and that will be right at the top of the hour, all right? And you're going to run it straight out from there. All right. <clears throat> now, uh, they've suggested that uh, that we are, that they're inserting, the, they're inter- interjecting the events uh, about the same time as the students are going through the uh, the courses of fire down at the ranges. And uh, here's some of the suggestions right here there for inserts. The first timeline inserts, which is a red coat target, 9 to 9.30 a.m. Pick a town near your shoot and guesstimate when the alert would have reached your shooting range. Ballpark determine how long to walk from here, your range, to Concord, which is the town that you're talking about that's near you. And... Ask the folks if anybody can anybody here would anybody here like to get up and uh, very quickly walk or run the twenty to twenty five miles to this next town so they can throw themselves into the battle. Tell a story as each apple seed student is walking from this place, woken up in the night, they grab their gear, they say goodbye to the wife and family, and rush off. They meet neighbors on the walk, all answering the call. They know not what they are facing, but in all likelihood, things will never be the same. They're now committing treason. There's no going back. You arrive at Punkcastet Hill with about uh, 350 to 400 other militia. You hear what happened at Lexington. The British are at the Barrett Farm and in Concord, searching the houses. There's smoke from the town. Are we to stand here as they burn our town? You see the leaders gather and discuss what to do. You hear Isaac Davis say, I am not a man who is afraid to go. You line up in formation. Proceed down the hill towards the North Bridge, and some regulars 
narrowly lined up on the far side of the bridge. A shot is fired. A man goes down. It's Davis. More shots, and then more. And then you hear, fire, for God's sake, fire as fast as you can. Shooters to the line. So you'll be bringing the folks to the line. And uh, let's see, there are some notes here that said it would make sense to have the shooters already on the line at this point if your line is short enough so they can all hear the story. I agree with that. They can all be standing there. Uh, you know, on the line in the in the uh, the ready position, uh, muzzle down range, and listening to the story. And then you're going to see how that they're going to do. This is for the Sunday uh, uh, red coat target in the morning. All right. Uh, the second timeline insert uh, is the 12 to 12:30. PM on Sunday, British Leave Concord, Merriam's Corner, 800 Militia, do the red, quick and dirty AQT, third timeline insert, 1.30 PM, the Bloody Angle, Parker's Revenge, uh, 1,500 Militia, and another AQT, fourth timeline insert, 2.30 PM, Lord Percy's Relief arrives at Lexington and fires a cannon, fifth timeline insert, 4.30 onward, heavy fighting at Monotomy, and east of 3,500 Militia, Red Coat, Quick and Dirty AQT, or the Red Quick and Dirty AQT, framed in the Circle of Fire in, uh, in that uh, uh, context. Sixth timeline insert, the end of the day Sunday. Pickering makes the decision not to engage the British line. Would you have tried to stop the British line right there, right then, and ended it? That's a question you can put to the folks there. And then shoot the final red coat. And then ask them, you think that you're tired now? This is the end of the day on Sunday. And usually, you know, we run a tight ship. And by the end of the day Sunday, most other folks are, uh, they're dragging. And uh, and it's understandable, you know. We, uh, one of the things I love about Appleseed is that, we give you the opportunity to see how you do and how your rifle platform does uh, in an extended uh, shooting conditions and in and quite often in inclement weather. Very seldom will you ever go to the range and say, "Look, I'm going to shoot. Uh, I'm going to shoot for uh, oh, about ten hours a day, uh, up and getting up and down, up and down, up and down, and shooting." And uh, I'm just going to do that all day. I'm going to have a quick lunch, and I'm going to do it again and again. And then I'm going to go home, go to bed. I'm going to get up the next day, get out here early, and I'm going to do this again all day long. I'm going to shoot for about uh, 18 to 20 hours nonstop. I'm going to shoot about 500 rounds or so, getting up and down, up and down, and doing it all, doing it over and over, and uh, and see if you're not dragging by then, because most people will be, because they don't do that. Most people just don't do that. They go to the range and uh, they shoot about 20 rounds and then everything's nice and clean. They Usually they're sitting down on a bench, uh, on a carpeted bench, or sometimes they're indoors, and they shoot the 20 rounds and they look at the target. And uh, and you know, I always see this. Uh, when I'm not an apple seed, I look at the people's faces. They go and they get their target and they look at the target. And I guarantee you, uh, 80% of the time, 
you'll just see this kind of glazed look on their faces. They're looking, they're looking at the target, but they can't understand what the target's saying to them. You know, you get the same that same look uh, on the people's faces when uh, <coughs> when they're uh, when they're when they're down in Mexico and they're sitting at the table and the Mexican waitress comes up to them and she asks them. Uh, what they want to eat or drink in Spanish. And they just look at her for just a few seconds, and you can see their eyes kind of glaze over, and they they don't understand what they're being asked. And this is the same problem you have if you don't understand target analysis, if you don't understand talking targets, which is one of the things we're going to teach you in Napleteed. We're going to teach you how to speak the same language as your target. So you do not have that glazed look on your face when you're looking at the holes in the paper on the target, we're going to teach you how to analyze what you've done, how to interpret the data, and how to make sure that you can put that data to use. There shouldn't be any reason you should ever go to a range, you should ever fire rounds at a target, and come away from that target without getting the data on it, without understanding what your target is telling you. I'm telling you, I see this every single time I look at these folks. They shoot, like I said, usually no more than about 15 or 20 rounds. They look at the target, and they've got this glazed, confused expression on their face. And then they fold the target up, and they put it in their pocket. They walk back over to their rifle, and they put all the empties nice and neatly back into the cartridge boxes. And they zip their rifle and stuff back in, and they go get in the car, and they go, okay, all right, I just did, uh, I just shot, and I just did a, uh, well, I just, I just shot. Yeah, that's what, I did it, I shot. But they don't know what they did. They don't understand what they did, and they don't know what they should do after that. All they did was shoot. Each one of those rounds, they may have, they may have well have just as, uh, stayed in their home and fired, uh, dry fired, or fired blanks, because that's how much understanding they got from that. We're not going to do that. We're going to, you're going to burn off some rounds, okay? You're going to burn off four to five hundred rounds. Well, I don't, it may not be that much. Maybe three hundred and fifty. Uh, to 500 rounds, and you're going to learn what you're doing. You're going to learn what uh, what your target is telling you. When you go down to the target line, you look at your target, you're going to understand what it's telling you. We're going to teach you how to speak uh, targetese so that you don't have to, so that every time you go down to the line, you look at the holes on the target, you come away with data, and then you put that data on your rifle and you use it. You're never again going to stand there with glazed eyes when you're looking at your target at the range. And then you're going to you're going to shoot your rifle, and you're going to shoot it uh, three to four hundred times. And you're going to find out what it does when you've got uh, three hundred rounds through it, and the wind is blowing sand into the action, and it's hot, or if it's raining, or if it's muddy. If you're tired, how do you shoot when you're tired? Do you shoot the same as when you're nice and fresh? I guarantee you, you don't. How does your rifle shoot when it's uh, when it's completely clean, or or what? It, how did it shoot when it just came from the factory and it's still got factory grease in it that you didn't clean out? How does it shoot then? And how does it shoot 300 to 500 rounds later? Well, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. So you think you're tired at the end of the two-day weekend? Well, listen. The fighting on April 19th continued until about uh, 7 p.m. when the, friend, the British finally got to Charleston and the protection of the British gunships. The militia numbers were at 4,000 and growing. 
the British regulars had marched as far as uh, 36 to 40 miles in 23 hours. There were over 14,000 militia who had assembled with with firearms within the within the 24 hours there. Try and uh, try and sync up your day this weekend with what was going on on April 19, 1775. It will bring you and the shooters closer together. It will bring everybody closer together so that uh, they have more they have more invested uh, in the event this coming weekend. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we're going to call uh, Dr. Fisher in just a few minutes. <clears throat> and uh, once again, if you have any questions, then we invite you to call in. Number is 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. And uh, the screener, uh, if you can... Uh, if you can put that into the chat pages, I would appreciate that too. Put the RFC at the folks listening in the chat if you can type that in. Uh, I can do it, but we'll just have uh, 10 seconds of silence while I do it. <coughs> All right. Uh, or actually, uh, I don't guess I can do it. Uh, but if uh, you'll type that number in, 347. 347- Three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero, and then give us a call, and uh, the screener will be uh, he'll uh, he'll open your line and uh, talk to you and see if and don't worry if you if you call and you don't want to talk nobody's going to make you talk all right if you call and you don't want to talk <coughs> the screener opens your mic. Uh, and talk to you. He'll just ask you if you want to talk or not. And if you don't, then he'll just put it in the box, and I'll be able to see it uh, when I look at look at that that uh, you're just listening or something like that. So don't worry about uh, about being forced to talk. Just uh, give us a call at three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero, and uh, we'll be glad to get you on the air. <clears throat> All right. Uh, and somebody call in uh, so that uh, somebody call in and uh, and ask some questions or uh, or make some comments. I'd like some of the shoot bosses uh, uh, for the upcoming weekend. I'd like for them to call in and talk about uh, what they're going to do uh, for the upcoming weekend. What how they're going to run their individual shoots if they have anything special. Because a lot of times we have special events going on, and uh, I know that uh, that everybody likes to try and, and customize their shoot just a little bit. And I'm hoping that's what uh, folks, uh, that some of the folks are doing, that they're offering uh, folks that are attending some special stuff. I know that a lot of the uh, a lot of the folks last year had. Uh, uh, they had special things that uh, went along with the event. <clears throat> there were folks who had 
<clears throat> Revolutionary War uh, reenactors from either the uh, Sons of the American Revolution or the uh, Daughters of the American Revolution. <clears throat> there were some folks that had uh, some band, uh, uh, drum and fife, and stuff like that, and uh, different uh, uh, folks together, and uh, that was a great... Uh, it, it always adds more to the event when they when folks do that. So uh, if you have something like that going on, or if you just want to call and give a shout-out to your state or a challenge to another state, uh, then uh, we encourage you to do so, 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790, so that you can... Uh, you can give your folks some motivation. You can kind of amp them up and uh, and uh, get them motivated. All right. Okay, we're gonna take a call real quick from uh, from Coley Cat and uh, Coley. Welcome to the show this evening. Hey, hi Scott. How are you, How doing, you doing, brother? Sir? I'm doing just dandy. <laughs> How about yourself? Oh, great, great. I'm. Uh... I guess I've been thinking the last couple of weeks we've been a little bit behind the curve for this weekend. What do you think about that? Well, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, It's hard to say. Here's what I think is I think that there are, I think there's cycles to everything. And I think that we experience those over and over again, uh, uh, within the program, within all programs, but within this program, we experience that, and you'll go through sex, uh, you'll go through times, and, uh, and I'm not saying it goes for everywhere, but you'll see it. It'll be like a, a a wave where folks are they have all their focus on the program, and things are running, uh, you know, at warp speed, and then uh, and then thing other things within folks' lives, not just individually, but collectively, almost as a whole group, things speed up, and folks are dealing with uh, multiple things while trying to run that, and and then it swings back, and then it goes forward, and then it swings back. And, and then there are some other, you know, there are some dynamics within the program that, uh, that cause it to... Uh, it cause it to have its own individual personality as a program. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and certainly, well, I, I, even, uh, it's you know, as, as probably everyone who listens to this program knows that we've you know had some issues. Um, uh, probably since last fall, really, and uh, I'm hoping that you know now that the season's getting going for most of the country that you know everything is just gonna start going a little more smoothly and uh, I'm glad you got out the uh um the volley tonight and uh I think one of us uh, you know volunteer organization it's either Nickel or me is supposed to get that posted some up so that we can you know everyone's got that list in front of them for the names well Fred that's the one that you're talking about the one that Fred sent out yeah but that's the I one that, that I read it. from you didn't get it yet? Yeah, but no, I well, you didn't know get what? it. And, uh, you know what? I, I don't – you know, the only place I see it is in my Gmail account. When I look in uh, – a while ago, that's kind of when I, like, started uh, 
kind of talking like a zombie is because uh, mm-hmm. I was trying to find it in my personal messages, and I couldn't. I couldn't find it in there. It's not in there yet. But it did show up in my Gmail account already. On so, Gmail, okay. So check your check well, your. Uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't that wasn't uh, what he intended. He wanted to send that out to a PM to everyone, and uh, apparently no one got it. So we'll have to try to redo that again. Maybe Bill <coughs> he can help us out with that. And make sure that goes through. No, no. It came it came as a uh, as an Appleseed PM. Okay, but your your Appleseed PMs are supposed to also go if you have a uh, you ha- you have to register for for an account on the on the form. You have to have a uh, email account. So what happens is it, it it's sent out uh, by the uh, by, by the mass mailer, and it, it usually always ends up in your your email account first. But then there's a duplicate in your PM account in your private message account, and uh, I noticed that uh, I, I, there there may be some kind of a glitch right now with the with the PMs or something because I also sent out uh, you know ten thousand PMs for the uh, radio show and it hasn't showed up either. Now it showed up in my Gmail yeah. account, but it didn't show well, up. I in didn't. Any I didn't. Day. I didn't get the PM for tonight either. So I didn't either. Um, there's something, so, something going on with that. So there may be some kind of a glitch and, right and most now. people don't. I mean, most instructors don't have a Gmail account, so. Well, it'll it, be any it any account you have, any 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 email account you have that you you know that you have when you registered for the for the forum, it'll go to that one also. You know, any, usually uh, uh, usually you'll get a duplicate in your uh, your email account. And uh, you know, I'm just checking my email. It's not it's not there. I'm going. Really? Back what to, about the one from the show nope. tonight? It's not there either. Nope. Gosh, dog it. Well, that was sent yeah, out hours we, ago. I know. So we got we got a little bit of a glitch going on here. Hmm. But whatever. Oh well. Uh, we we can deal with that, you know, uh, later. Um, this is our this is our big weekend, and uh, I I've been watching some of the threads. Some people have some some really good promotion ideas, and I encourage all the shoot bosses to look at those in terms of. Uh, prizes and giveaways, that's that's always fun and uh doesn't cost very much. I believe every shoot boss uh, I believe every shoot boss got playing cards. And the cool thing with those is to just basically, you know, look at look at the students and then pick out a card that sort of matches them. And then you right. can use that throughout the weekend and say, you know, even if you're doing a strike, you can interrupt a strike and say Boy, you know, I think we've got General Heath here, and then you can have him read that card. And uh, I've done it in the past, and and it seems to work out well. And and it gets the students involved in the history, which is really a cool thing to do. And if 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 you ever, um, I have uh, access through Old Glory. I have access through Eventbrite, and when I look at people you know why they signed up for an apple seed shoot if it's their second or third apple seed they're always coming back because they still want to shoot better but they really love the history and the heritage and right. uh, the more you can the more we can work on that the better that'll be so absolutely well hopefully 
as far as promotions goes, hopefully the, the, those were already done because right now uh, I'm not sure any promotions you could do other than maybe standing on a on the freeway with uh, your hair on fire and uh, <laughs> you know a big uh, a big banner or something. Uh, I don't know that anything else is going to work this close to it, no. but. There's still yeah, time to no, invite, we're, we're uh, you know, you can still invite uh, a family member or a friend and say, look, come this weekend. And uh, and I've told folks, too, that, uh, uh, that and I know this isn't Appleseed policy. Uh, well, it, it actually is Appleseed policy, and that is it's up to the shoot boss to uh, to make the call on waiving Appleseed fees, et cetera. If you've got somebody that wants mm-hmm. to come to an event, and uh, I put this out on the radio because I do this, if uh, I've only done it, I've probably only done it twice in uh, in four and a half years, but uh, but I still tell folks this, and and you know what, both of those times that I did it, I end up with instructors. What I tell folks is this: is if you want to come to an event and you can't, uh, uh, you don't have the cash to come for some or whatever reason, then I'm going to go ahead and get you in anyway, because because we're not doing this for the money. We're doing this so that folks get the message. And uh, Absolutely. that means and, either and, that I, yeah. that I waive the fees that, or that, that I pay you them. Want to reach. Yeah. Then get yeah. them in. If you've got get someone that you, that you think you can reach, then absolutely, by all means, you know, they're there. You know, especially if they're, like you said, you know, the two that you did ended up being instructors. So obviously you were, you know, you, you picked people that you thought would be good. And, right. Uh, and I'm already doing yeah. I'm already doing thirty five other folks at the same time anyway, right? Now I'm not telling you guys exactly. to start I'm not telling you guys to start uh, telling everybody to come free. What I'm telling you is use your good common sense shoe boss discretion. That means if you got somebody that says, Man, I'd love to come, I really do. I, I think the program would be great, but I don't have the cash right now. I just had a car accident or my wife just had surgery or the mortgage on my house is due and I'm I'm out of work right now, whatever the reason, then you just say, come on, come on, let's go, and uh, and get them to the event. Because you never know where your next best instructor is going to be. It could very well be that fellow, all right? And, uh, could very well be. And uh, and the and in one of the two cases, uh, you know, the person actually uh, donated a couple of hundred dollars when he got uh, back on his feet, he was already an instructor at that point, but he donated a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. to the program. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, don't let something like that stop folks from coming. And there's still time. There's still uh, enough time. If your shoot isn't sold out, there's still time to get on the phone and say, hey, listen, remember you were saying you wanted to go to an event? Well, I got one this weekend, uh, and I'm ready for you. Let's go to uh, get yep. an additional well, person to come. We're We're going to be there anyway. And uh, and you're right. It's not about. I mean, Appleseed's nonprofit. Um, no one makes money on it. And we're out to reach Americans. We're out to change the climate. And uh, the only we're, the only way we're going to do that is to get people on the lines. So right. And you were talking well, about cycles. You were talking about cycles. Before you go, real quick, let me just answer your question again. Oh, I lost you. You still there? I did want to announce that, uh, well, we're going north, 
to Alaska. Go north, the rush is on. We just uh, signed our first Alaska shoot. It's going to be at the uh, Birchwood Recreation and Shooting Park in Chugiak, Alaska. It's going to be on the dates of July 30 and 31. Middle of the summer should be a pretty outstanding venue from what it looks like. The folks that I've been talking to up at the range are uh, really outstanding folks. I've been dealing with uh, Dale Andrews, who's the uh, the rifle range manager, rifle and pistol. And uh sounds like they're very enthusiastic about the upcoming shoot. Afterwards, I talked to Jim McCormick, who is the general manager of the entire range complex. And after I had explained to him that we uh, we try to do uh, uh, special things for the military and law enforcement and that we would let them in for no charge into the apple seed, he was willing to donate the range fees and allow us to shoot for free on the Thursday and Friday preceding the Saturday-Sunday apple seed. We're still kind of working out the details, but it's either going to be a free military shoot Thursday, Friday, or possibly a free military slash law enforcement shoot for Thursday and Friday, which I understand that there's lots of up in this area outside of Anchorage. It's about 30 miles, 40 miles outside of Anchorage, Alaska. So we're all looking really excited about that as we're uh, we're working out getting the flyers up there and starting to get the boots on the ground to get the word out. I've been in contact with the Alaska State Coordinator, and uh, Tom's already uh, getting the word out and uh, as soon as we can get our signed host application back and turn out the turn on the event page or Eventbrite registration page, I think we've probably got 10, 15 people already ready to sign up. So more and more of this uh, this apple seed program spreading out and reaching all across the nation. Uh, we have uh, a few states left, I believe, that don't have shoots. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly which ones they are. I believe it's Delaware and Hawaii. Um, of course, I've got my sights on Hawaii, <laughs> but we are going to especially uh, uh, look forward to this weekend, uh, the April 19th weekend, this April 16th, 17th. We have uh, in California, we've got 12 shoots uh, going on simultaneously and a lot of really good folks going out there to work them and uh, make sure that this date and the founders are, are commemorated in the way that they should be. And that's uh, that's participating in, in heritage especially, but also the marksmanship clinics and uh, and spreading the word and making sure that on our watch, the founders are not forgotten and nor are their sacrifices forgotten. So we're looking forward to the uh, simultaneous time to volley on Saturday and uh, doing that all across the nation. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of instructors out there on the road right now heading to their prospective ranges. And if they're not on the road, they're, I'm sure, more than likely getting packed up ready to go and, and getting excited about sharing uh, the heritage uh, with with the lucky attendees. So I know there's a lot of excitement going on here and uh, looking forward to quite a weekend. Cole, are you still out there at all? Well, I guess I'm holding down the Rifleman Radio Show. Uh, for those of you that are not aware, I know we have a muster night going on at, on the forum uh, tonight. And there's uh, several special features. Uh, I think there's a Ask Fred uh, thread going on, and you can ask Fred any question, something that uh, has come over from his experiences at the uh, AIBCs. And we also have the uh, Ask the MISI board, which I know Nichols manning that one. And uh, I'm sure there's people at the respective uh, state boards. So those of you that are not out there getting ready or on the road already for uh, – for the coming weekend, be sure to plug in there and 
show support for the program, and I'm sure you'll help each other get ramped up for the weekend. So we're looking forward to that. Sam, you with me? Well, anyways, I also want to put a shout-out to anybody that might have uh, any connections uh, with uh, any of the bases there uh, in in Alaska, uh, the, near Anchorage. I'm not sure what's uh, what the name of the base is, but there's a uh, there's an Air Force base there and a, and another Army post there, and I believe there's a, a National Guard unit up there also. So if anybody has any ins or any leads into communication with those folks, uh, please be sure to pass that on to me so that uh, we can we can contact them and start getting the word out for uh, for this free event that we like to put on for our for our servicemen and women that are uh, out there putting everything on the line. We just want to make sure that we show them uh, how much we care about them and, and uh, the thanks that we feel they deserve by extending a handout to them to offer this uh, this free Thursday and Friday of shooting and marksmanship training and, and uh, above all else, the, the heritage and the history of the American Rifleman. And we presented every apple seed. So uh, make sure you, you call in if you have any information on any contact in that area. And uh, if uh, we have any of the... Uh, Alaska boots on the ground, the apple cedars available. You feel free to call in, and we can talk a little more about this event coming up, hopefully the first of many. So we're looking real forward to that. Do you have any callers out there, Sam? Alaska. Hello. 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 Who's out there? Who's out there? Somebody online? Can you hear me? I can. Who's this? Cooper. Hey, Cooper. How are you? I am marvelous. Which uh, which you apple seed to... are you? I'm sorry. Rochester, Minnesota. Oh, you're going to the Rochester shoot this weekend? Yeah. Outstanding. What do your pre-regs look like? Pretty damn good. Um, just a bit over half filled. Well, I should say, well, crappy, not sold out. <laughs> but over half filled, and it keeps going up every time I check. That's outstanding. And, you know, there's something that Fred taught me early on in the program is there's no such thing as a bad apple seed. Some fortunate folks uh, actually have the opportunity to have the best type of instructor-student uh, ratio on the low turnout shoots. But there's no such thing as a bad apple seed. <laughs> there's there's okay. bad apples, but no bad apple seeds. Oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, How did you get on, Bob? You're driving me nuts. You know, I don't know. Somebody, came on and said, somebody just came on and said, Scott dropped out. You're running the show. See you later. And they left me on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we had a power outage, and uh, and I'm, since I'm calling my landlines, are all connected to the power. Right. No, no and, thing uh, is a bad out Yeah. So the power went out, and uh, and the the box, the uh, what do you call it, the power strip. Was in there smoking okay. when, the, when the power came Ooh, back on. Oh, my. Well, there's, there's <laughs> right. two of us on, I guess. 
All right. Well, thank you, Bob. No problem. I was just spouting on about the Alaska shoot coming up in July. All right. Well, keep going. Uh, I was done. We were talking to Cooper about uh, about the Rochester uh, event coming up this weekend and and uh, pre-reg numbers and, and how excited we all are about the weekend coming up. How's the how's Texas faring this weekend? All right, we're doing great. We've got uh, uh, several of the shoots are already sold out, and uh, and a couple of the shoots are running up in the high 40s, which is their limits. So uh, so we're gonna we're gonna be doing uh, well to uh, to get them to keep them. I mean, all the shoots are doing well. The only place that's not sold out uh, or close to it right now is here in Davila, and that's because we got we can run uh, 100 folks on the line. So we're doing that's real good. Okay. Good weekend. Why don't you guys talk for a second? I'm going to call Dr. Fisher and see if I can bring him on the line with us. Very oh, good. Yes. Talk amongst, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. Bob, is that you? Yes, it is. Cooper here. Cooper, who are you teaching thank with you. this weekend? So, so my, I'm teaching Rochester, and thank you so much for, for that phone call. You know, direct conversation is just so much better than this Internet chaos. Yes, so there is no off. substitute. Yeah, there is no substitute for a, for a phone call other than maybe face-to-face talking. Yeah, I mean, face-to-face is clearly better, but, you know, the more we okay. all talk, the better we'll understand. Okay, Absolutely. guys, I'm going gonna, I'm, uh, gonna to call Dr. Fisher right now and uh, bring him on the show with us just to say hi and tell him thanks, and uh, it's going to be Hello. 9.30 there. Dr. Fisher? Hello. Yeah, this is Michael Adam with the Appleseed Project. Yes, hi. I think we've talked before. Yes, sir. We we did an interview about a year ago, and and uh, and the folks were clamoring just to uh, to say hi and and hear your voice before they went out on our big weekend this coming weekend. So we we want to thank you. Uh, I told you before that we have uh, that your book Paul Revere's Ride is our textbook, and uh, and we have thousands of instructors now who we're we're forcing to just about memorize. Uh, the stories from the book, so they can relay them uh, to the thousands of folks that they speak to every year. We're gonna we're trying to run through about uh, forty thousand this year, and they're all gonna be taught from uh, from your book. And we also we tell them where we're getting the information, and we encourage them to go out and buy the book. Well, what what do you want me to do? Well, we would just like you to we would just like to say first of all, thanks to you, and then uh, we'd like to ask you about. Uh, because you're, you've got a you've got a great uh, deal of knowledge on this on the uh, the importance of the way the events played out on April 19, 1775. You have uh, first of all you have the uh, the British regulars marching to Concord, and Lexington was not even on their uh, it was not on their their schedule, and yet they ended up in Lexington and. Uh, and that is uh, that was a a big turning point for the day. Yes, that, I think that's that's exactly right. And if you could just kind of elaborate on on what you think that uh, what you think might have happened, because I'll tell you what we do is, is we have we've taken the story of April nineteenth, and we've 
split it up into three sections. And what we do is we call it the three strikes of the match. And and the reason we do that is because uh, the way that the way that we're looking at it is that had the had the regulars either not ended up at uh, Lexington Green, or if at Lexington Green they would have turned around as many of the junior officers were advising Smith to do, then it may there may well not have been an American Revolutionary War that started on April nineteenth. Yes, I think that's right. I think when we can uh, think of what happened as a as a series of uh, of contingencies. Uh, Many people um, before April 19th were beginning to believe, both British and American, though they all thought of themselves as British at, before, 70, before, the, before Lexington and Concord, uh, but they, they, they began to have a sense that war was inevitable. Uh, but nobody knew how or when or where it would happen or with what uh, results. And so, uh, so there were a series of um, choices and chances that made all the difference in the way things worked out. Uh, uh, did you want me to talk a bit about that, or um, right. how well, can I we, help? Well, I know that you're doing this off the cuff, and uh, I really appreciate it because we weren't really expecting to uh, to be able to, to have you tonight because I knew that you were busy, but. With the way that we were explain it is that, uh, or the way that I understand it from the reading, is had they had they indeed turned around and left, then uh, you know you had had the Boston uh, the events in Boston, the Boston Massacre, uh, and you know previously, and there was a lot of upheaval. And there was a trial, of course, and uh, and yet that did not cause a revolution. And like you said. The way the events were unfolding, there was many people had already said that this is going to happen. We don't know when or where or how, but it, we know it's going to happen. But it probably wouldn't have happened that day if they would have turned around and gone back. There may have been uh, some type of inquiry into it, and uh, and there would have been of uh, protests and etc. But nothing, uh, but no revolutionary war was destined to come because of that. And then yeah. The next event is you have the the events at the North Bridge in Concord, and and that of course tilted the scales back in the other direction, which yeah. is well I yeah, think they, I think something go ahead no 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 please you well I was going to say I think something really interesting was happening there and it uh, as people were um, uh, making choices it's interesting to see how. How the uh, the patriot leaders were thinking, uh, in particular Samuel Adams, and this was um, at a time when uh, uh, quite a lot of people who lived in New England um, uh, had a strong sense of attachment to the British Empire. Uh, uh, at the same time, they had a very strong sense of their rights, and they weren't quite sure how to square all of that. Uh, and uh, Sam Adams had come to the conclusion. Uh, that there was probably no uh, safety for American liberty uh, within the empire as it was being run in the spring of 1775. Right. And he thought that the critical thing was that the people of America should come together in defense of their liberty. 
And the question was, how could that happen? And Sam, Samuel Adams wrote a letter to another uh, patriot leader in Virginia, Augustine Washington. It, and he said, uh, uh, he said, uh, uh, my advice is to think that uh, people who are th- that that let me start again. His advice was uh, that uh, uh, that people should um, put their enemy in the wrong and keep them there. A good right. maxim in politics as well as war. And what he did was to try to make that happen on April 19th. And when uh, Paul Revere went out on his midnight ride, and not only Paul Revere, but we're now up to 80 other riders who Paul Revere set in motion, they carried several messages. One, they discovered about, they discovered uh, General Gage's plans for the expedition. So uh, part, of their, uh, part of their plans were that, that the regulars were coming out. Uh, they didn't say the British because they thought that they themselves were still British. Exactly. It wasn't until the 19th century that the, that they said that the British were coming. But they said that the, the, the regulars are out or coming out, and they also carried a message from the Whig leaders, which was not to fire the first shot. Uh, and make, be sure that, that, that the regulars fired the first shot. And that was done. Uh, and when and we know from uh, Paul Revere's testimony, he was on Lexington Green as the uh, British light infantry approached, and he was actually just walking through uh, the uh, the line of the Lexington militia, and he heard their their officer, Captain Parker, say, uh, "Do not fire, lest they fire first. Uh, and in fact, uh, they were they were ordered to constitute what the Whig leaders called an army of observation. They were to turn out to muster, but not to fire that first shot. Right. And then and the irony it was that we don't know who fired the first shot to Lexington Green. Uh, right. There's considerable confusion about that. Uh, but one thing is clear, those militia, American militia, did not fire the first shot. It's also probably the case that the British uh, infantry did not fire the first shot. And there was great confusion about that. But the shot rang out, and after that happened, everybody agreed that the next thing was that the British soldiers, who were very green, um, inexperienced, they didn't have good fire discipline, they didn't have the kind of training that you're trying to give people in many ways, and those those green, very young British uh, regulars fired a ragged volley without orders. And it worked out the way Samuel Adams had intended. That is, it looked as if the British had been the aggressors on Lexington Green. And then the same thing happened at the North Bridge in Concord, where uh, the um, the British, a uh, 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 small British force, um, uh, tried to uh, tried to occupy the one side of the, of, of that bridge uh, uh, across the river. And right. the American militia mustered on a hill above the the, um, uh, the the bridge, and they looked down. They were commanded by a man named Buttrick, Major John Buttrick, and his house still stands there uh, on the on the brow of that hill. And they looked down, and they they, they could see the British troops, and the, the British could see them, and the American militia were multiplying in numbers. And the British were beginning to be concerned about that, so they began to pull up the planks on the bridge, and these American militia looked down, and, and one of them said to another, that's our bridge. In fact, the Buttrick, who was Major John Buttrick, who was 
one of the commanders of the militia had had, had built that bridge. Right. Uh, and, and they they were uh, and there was a sense of um, of a kind of personal um, uh, 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 violation on what the, the what, what those soldiers were doing. And but their officers also told these American militia, "Do not fire the first shot." And so they marched down as an army of observation toward that bridge. And as they got close, those British soldiers, without orders, fired a few shots in the direction of these militia as they came within range. And then there was an, a second uh, skirmish uh, in which once again the British had fired uh, the first shot. And then it happened yet again on the British retreat back from Concord along what people around here now call the Battle Road. And once again, there were some shots that rang out, and it looked as if once once more the British were the aggressors. And all of that, that word began to spread as the, as the, as the battle grew, and it got more and more violent, and uh, there, there were atrocities on both sides. But then after it was over, a, a lawyer who had not been part of that decided he would go out there to try to find out for himself what had happened. And he was John Adams, the country cousin of Sam Adams. And he rode out on his horse and he interviewed people. And he, he, he satisfied himself that, in fact, the British had been the aggressors. And when that happened, the people of New England came together and supported what Samuel Adams called the cause. And right. I think that's, it's really interesting to see how that happened. It happened by acts of choice in this period of great uncertainty, nobody quite knowing what was going to happen next, uh, and in which, uh, in which the choices that people made really made a difference on how these things worked out. Right, and when we look back on it now, we look back on it and we've been told uh, by stories and some myths and and Hollywood uh, liberties and stuff, the, of folks, uh, of everybody jumping up and down and yelling, yay, yay, you know, we finally get a chance for our freedom. And yet, uh, from what I've read, and I've read extensively on it now, the the great portion of the folks were looking at it with, uh, with complete apprehension. It was a, a dark, terrible thing that they were looking at. Nobody was, or at least very few, were jumping up and down and yelling, yay. They were all very... Uh, very apprehensive about it, and it was a very, very dark day for everyone. It was, it really, it truly was. And John Adams uh, did not call it the American Revolution in 1775. He called it a civil war, uh, and that was the way they thought about it. And uh, they thought about it with dread and horror. They had, um, they knew about war. Uh, there had been a major war in New England every generation since 1636. Uh, and uh, they they knew uh, what what lay ahead for them. It would be a long war. It was longer than the American participation in World War II and the American Civil War combined. It was eight years long, uh, and uh, we're only beginning to be able to count the cost uh, right. in in that war. And uh, right. it's, it's they had the, some sense of what they were getting into. And you write in your book too. There is a uh, section of it that speaks about uh, about the dread, about the great panic that ensued yep. uh, that yeah. day. If you can talk I about that, that, Tom. Yes, I, it, it was 
and it was the period after the fighting had started, uh, and but before anybody would, could have any idea of how it could end, uh, that there was a great fear that spread across the countryside. Uh, it was uh, it was it was like a panic, and uh, it's, the same thing happened. It all, often happens in, in in these historical events that, such as the French Revolution, there was something called the Grand Pur that that spread across France, in the same way in 1789, uh, and uh, there people began to be. Uh, there was fear of of the Indians. Uh, there was a fear of a slave rebellion. This was when all of the 13 colonies were still slave states. Uh, there was a fear of, of of conflict and bandits. There were no bandits to speak of in New England, but there, but people were uh, were consumed by their fears. Uh, and it was interesting to see how in the the men had mostly left these towns, uh, mobilizing in their militia, and it was the women who took over the towns and restored order. And I've got a chapter in my book about that. And how yeah. they how they how they did that it was really it was really a, a remarkable thing to see. Uh, and we have the way these. Our... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say we have some of our uh, some of the folks actually have selected uh, that story, especially like female instructors, to yeah. uh, in order to get the, the the folks to relate to that time and that period. They talk about uh, uh, about the women who took over, who went and got their. Their husbands' rifles and uh, and muskets and pitchforks and and donned their uh, their husbands' clothing and stood guard on the roads and the and the bridges. Yep. There and women we're, we we uh, we hadn't much attended to that in in the in in the history that was written until this past generation, but uh, now we're increasingly aware of the uh, of the, the involvement of women in in many other ways in this. Event as they they were they were part of both armies as as the armies began to form they, uh, they we got good British records for that and in my another one of my books called Washington's Crossing I've got some statistics that about ten uh, percent of General Howe's army in 1776 were what were called women on the ration they were um, they were women who uh, who camped with the soldiers often they were soldiers' wives. Uh, and uh, they uh, they did cooking. They did uh, uh, they they did uh, other things in the camp, and they also, in some cases, uh, went into combat. They uh, this was particularly the case in artillery units, uh, uh, and uh, it was the same thing. Not quite so strong, but the same thing uh, among American units as well. And uh, so we see women involved in that way. They're also at the same time that Samuel Adams and John Adams were uh, writing pamphlets and that sort of thing. There were a group of women in eastern New England uh, who included Abigail Adams uh, and uh, about four other women who were all part of a kind of intellectual circle of women. And they also were writing and talking. They were writing pamphlets too? Yeah, they were writing pamphlets and, and, and plays and uh and, and 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 all sorts of things of, of of that sort. So Mercy Otis Warren um was very active writing uh, on the American Revolution. And she was a good friend of uh of Abigail Adams. So and then there was another woman uh named uh, Judith Sergeant Murray who began this was a couple of years later in 1780 she began to write um essays on the equality of women. 
uh, in Massachusetts newspapers. And this was, I believe, the first fully developed feminist writing that I can find in American and maybe even European history. Wow! Uh, and it came it came out of these women in this in the, in, in 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 the context of this event, and well, all of that uh, is is uh, only now emerging in the uh, in in the way that we can really begin to uh, uh, come to terms with it in the in the, in the historical sources. Right, uh, Doctor Fisher, I'd like to go back to Concord for just a moment because you brought up something that uh, that is very important, and that is the fact that you know when uh, a lot of not current history and especially not uh, writers uh, of your caliber but a lot of folks uh, and the myth of of April 19th is that the the colonists rose up in uh, uh by individual uh uh spontaneous ways and each man fighting as his own captain uh and that's not at all true and one of the one of the things that uh, that you mentioned, which was the orders, this was a very detailed thing. It was very planned out, and that's how they were na- that's how they were able to get fourteen thousand men under arms within twenty four hours in a time that had no telephones, no TV, radio, nothing, yeah. and yet they were able to muster that many men within twenty four hours and have them under arms and in many cases running so that they ran twenty to twenty five miles to throw them into battle, but one of the yep. main things that you put up is that they were told, and to a man, they obeyed this order, they were told, do not fire unless fired upon, that we yep. have to maintain the moral high ground in this, or else we become rebels, right. and and they did, but one of the things that I wanted to tell you is that, <clears throat> you know, I've been to Concord now a couple of times, <laughs> and I wanted to tell you that, uh, that the Park Service Rangers, uh, they, you know, they tell the story. And part of the story they tell is that after the initial fighting, you know, the troops had been sent out to uh, 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 to the uh, uh, to the farms, and uh, yeah. uh, his name's escaping me right now. The Barrett uh, uh, Barrett's Bill, which, right, which, uh, right, the, right, the Barrett Farms. The troops they sent out to the Barrett Farms, you know, heard the the, the fighting. And they immediately started getting back because the troops at the North Bridge were supposed to be holding the bridge to make sure that they could uh, they could cross back across and they wouldn't be trapped on the other side. And so, as they got to the bridge, the uh, the colonists were still obeying their orders, which is do not fire unless fired upon. They were still obeying those orders, and they let the column pass unmolested because those guys didn't shoot at them. Now, the Park Service folks explain it in a different way. They said there was so much confusion after the initial shooting that everyone was wandering around and not paying attention and that the British regulars, the three companies of them, were able to go down the road and cross the bridge under the confusion that was raining. Well, I think uh, the way I understand this uh, uh, is that, uh, that there was a lot of confusion there. But that what happened was that uh, these uh, men in their in their uh, uh, militia companies, which were the uh, the town militias, uh, would form up, and then there'd be some moment of confusion. There'd be disorder. Things would come apart, and then they would form up again. And that happened before the the fighting. It happened during the fighting. 
That is, the idea of the fighting is people uh, uh, people fighting separately, as you say, uh, uh, each behind um, a tree or a stone wall. It's not what happened. What happened was that they formed up in their units, and they would engage. And then, then uh, the uh, then the, the, these units would lose their cohesion, right? Uh, in a way that I think often happens in in combat with untrained troops. And then they would then they would get it back again, right? Uh, and then they then they'd engage, and that cycle kept going on again and again. And one thing that's really interesting to me is the, who these people were and how they thought about what they called the cause. In that they were. Um, they had uh, they were living in in towns with their own town meetings they believed deeply in liberty and freedom but they also were used to working together and uh they uh when something went wrong in new england in boston or anywhere there would be a, a cry that would go out through the streets and the cry was town born turn out and that would happen when there was a fire or when anything anything would go wrong, and they they were used to to doing that. There was this was this was a world where there were no police, right? Uh, right and very exactly. and, and very little in the way of, of 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 established sorts of governing bodies that that uh, that we have so much of today. And uh, so so they were used to to running their own way. And then if we think about their um, what they were fighting for, it was liberty and freedom. I've written another book about that called Liberty and Freedom. And liberty to them meant the rights of autonomy, the right of one person to be in control of his own life, and in that way, unlike a slave. But freedom had another meaning. Freedom came from a word, it's an old Indo-European word, freya, it's the same root as friend. And what, it, and what freedom meant literally in its root that root, the root was beloved, and I thought that's a very odd linkage to freedom. Then suddenly it dawned on me, reading some of these older works, that freedom to them meant the condition of having rights of belonging to communities of other free people. What would a right of belonging be? It would be the right to vote, the right to sit in on a town meeting, the right to be fully, have to be fully a freeman of the town. Uh, and these guys were fighting, and you could say that that idea of freedom meant a, a right of belonging that free people had in New England that was unlike a slave. So both liberty and freedom meant unlike a slave, but one meant independence, the other meant working together with other free people. And that's what they did through all this event. Uh, right. And I think it, that's also what they thought that their cause was for. It was for the right of self-government and that kind of thing. In that same vein, you know, when I talk to the folks, I try to, from my reading, from my understanding, and from your book and many others, is that that the founders, a lot of people today, they their interpretation is of freedoms and liberties of the individual. That I have freedom, then I have rights, and that doesn't seem to be to have been the main focus of the founders. It seemed to me that the founders wrote more on the fact that we have collective freedoms and liberties and that they are safeguarded by the individual by the individual's responsibility to safeguard them. Yeah, I think that's right. I would I, I would also say that they really had both of those ideas in mind. I mean, that is if we look at the bills of rights that they 
wrote uh, every state wrote bills of rights before the U.S. Bill of Rights. Right. And we can see that a lot of those rights were about individual uh, liberties. Uh, in one of my favorites, uh, the, North, the North Carolina Bill of Rights included the right of a man to move over the mountains. And they put that in their Bill of Rights. And there were a lot of other rights that don't, we don't remember uh, so much. But they were, they, those were individual rights. But then at the same time, they had these ideas of collective rights as well. And it was the, the two things together that really shaped that cause. And then also, right. I think, shaped the way it was, the way they behaved during the war. And also then it shaped the great documents that have framed our republic. And uh, they're both in there. Right, and, and going uh, back to the to the Concord, uh, I just wanted to finish up real quick with explaining to you what uh, our interpretation of that day was and how, we, how we've been teaching it, and that is that at Concord was the second strike of the match, and that is that was the, the battle that actually occurred there at the North Bridge. But even then, had uh, Smith been able to, uh, they say he took a great deal of time marching back and forth, and that I'm sure in his mind he was thinking, uh, listen, you know, I just got, these guys just got uh, shot up, and, and, and uh, according to honor, I really need to go and beat them. But that wasn't my, those weren't my orders. My orders were to search a place, and I did, and now I should probably get back as quick as I can. But they say he tarried a great deal of time, and as he tarried, those four, some of those 14,000 men under arms managed to make it uh, closer and closer to Battle Road back. But had he immediately left there and returned to Boston and been able to have gotten there without, uh, without any more additional battles, then, in effect, you know, we had, we had balanced the scales in the other direction from Lexington Green. We had met the, the, the regulars, and we had soundly thrashed them, and we could have, uh, it, it could have been left at that. But that's not what happened. Uh, he ended up tearing, and as you, as as one, what, what, the way we describe it is that the third strike of the match took place in Miriam's corner, and there were some folks that were shooting. Uh, they say that uh, the regulars turned and fired a volley, but then from that point on, there was no longer any. There was no longer any. Don't fire until fired upon. From That's Miriam's right. corner That's on. That's exactly right. Yep. They, it was, they shot at their first opportunity. Yep. Then it then then it was it, then the die was cast. It's, so then they were then they were uh, uh, it, it was a running uh, the battle that went all the way uh, back to back to Lexington uh, and uh, uh, and then even beyond Lexington back into what they called Monotomy now the town of Arlington and uh, and back to uh, through Cambridge to Charlestown and. Uh, uh, that, and, and I think that's right. I think it, it happened yes. in those uh, in those stages for sure. And yes, uh, then after that, there, the next stage was, uh, <laughs> what do we do now? And um, it was interesting to me to see how the uh, patriot leaders dealt with that. That is the first thing they did. That the important thing was to get out the the news of what happened. Uh, and they were. This was the first generation to talk about popular opinion. 
And so they uh, spread that word not only through America, but they also got it to Europe before General Gage could get his dispatches uh, across to London. Uh, and, and, and they um, controlled the news of the event. And uh, I have students who speak every language, and I get them working on newspapers. I've had one student uh, reading the, in uh, newspapers in, in Warsaw in 1775, and we've turned up accounts of the Battle of Lexington Concord as it spread from England to France to Germany to Poland. Uh, other, other students have followed in, into the papers in, in Russia. Uh, right. And the, the, the news that people read was what the Americans had written about what had happened there and about their cause. And the British leaders at that point had lost control not only of the event but of the news of the event. Of the news of the event, yes. The the uh, the the party, I mean the uh, the committees uh, drafted up. They they very quickly got depositions and wrote accounts of it, and then they were able to uh, put it on a on a fast ship to England, where it arrived two weeks before the uh, the right. news packets. From uh, from the regulars, so there was they were sitting there for two weeks with nothing, and I believe that the the mayor of London was a friend to the colonists, and he published all of them. That's correct, and uh, and it was very widely distributed in in England, and then it was spreading through America at the same time. It got all the way out onto the to the frontier of, of settlement uh, in Kentucky, and uh, there were a group of hunters who. Uh, who got the news? It was it was weeks getting there from from Boston, uh, and they named their campsite Lexington, right. and it's now the town of Lexington, Kentucky. Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, and it went in, it went to Virginia, and uh, George Washington uh, got the news, and his reaction. He was a Virginia gentleman with a very strong sense of honor, and he had a sense that his honor. Uh, had been threatened by what had happened in Lexington. Uh, that the, the he said that they had sheathed their swords in the bosom of their brothers, and so he, um, speaking of the of the British, and so he took up his sword and went to war. And uh, it, that, that that story is those stories were multiplied. Uh, uh, up and down the 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 the, the colonies and uh, well dr fisher we're we are ready to have you back again a, as a visitor if you would to to speak about washington's crossing because uh, i i consider that uh, the i consider the book that you wrote just an absolute masterpiece of information about that and i consider the events uh, at the end of of that year of uh, 1776 to be the actual winning uh, of the American Revolution, but we'd love to have you come back to, to speak about that. And of course, I would be uh, I would be dying to hear you talk about uh, your book, The Great Way: Price Revolutions and the Rhythm of History, and where you think we are now uh, on that way. Would you consider coming back and, and speaking? I'd with, be happy uh, to, to to do that. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, give you a little warning, and I, I'm happy to talk. Uh, uh, whenever, whenever, whenever you, whenever you, you, you'd like to do that. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for for letting me call you in the middle of the night and uh, and ask you to come on and speak about this. And you've done an absolutely wonderful job. And I'll call you again uh, in the next week 
to uh, to get you to to come on to speak again. Uh, uh, well, now, next I week's going to be a problem. Um, the problem with next week is that we're going to be on the road. I'm going out to give the uh, to give uh, uh, the, uh, the some lectures in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, we're going out there early early next week, and then I'll be in California uh, in in, uh, in Mountain View and in Palo Alto, California. Uh, and we won't be back here until the 24th of September. Uh, what am I saying? Where, 24th where, of, of April. Of April. Where and, do you plan to be and, on the uh, April 19th? Are you going to be standing uh, April on the April 19th, bridge? I'll be. I, I'm giving the the Mark Hatfield lectures in Portland, Oregon, at the Portland Historical Society. Oh, fantastic! That's where I'll be. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I won't be able. I'm not going to be able to talk on the 19th. Um, but I could talk on other days. Um, well, I was just I was just wondering where you, if you if somebody had snatched you up to uh, to stand in the in the middle of the bridge uh, at Concord and talk or something like that. Well, I've had I've done a good deal of that, and we've had some invitations this time. But uh, I'd all I'm already booked into to Portland, Oregon, and we're looking forward to being out uh, out there talking about leadership, uh, Washington, and uh, and uh, other American leaders uh, is my subject. Well, thank you very much, and I'll call you at the end of April to see when we could find a good date for you to come back, sir. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll be reachable at this number any time after the after the twenty fourth. Excuse me. All right. About the twenty fourth of April. Thank you very very much. Thank you for writing those books, and well, and thank uh, you for all that pleasure. you're doing and for coming on tonight, sir. Uh, God bless you and your family, and I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you very soon. And thank you for dropping all those seeds across the country. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sir. Good night. Bye-bye. Okay, guys. Uh, That was certainly nice of Dr. Fisher. Well, we're we're at the 72nd mark. Let me just tell you quickly, uh, Godspeed, good skill for everybody this this coming up events. And uh, we'll be looking for all of the AAR afterwards. And uh, uh, everyone, just uh, just do your typical fantastic apple seed, uh, your 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 normal apple seed, uh, 100% mission, and uh, and God bless and watch over everyone. And we'll see you again uh, this next Thursday for an after the uh, April 17th shoots. AAR on the air. All right. Uh, All of you, take care. God bless and keep you close to his heart. And uh, and we'll see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central.